Hello and welcome to another episode of the Edgy Futurist podcast. We're delighted this evening, or whatever time you're listening, we're recording an evening, but we're delighted this evening to be joined by Lawrence Tajani, who is a Google certified trainer, educator and innovator. Yeah, he's an expert practitioner in FEIT strategy and a leading educator for mentoring programs across underrepresented groups for Google Workspace for Education UK. Yeah, Lawrence also runs Just a Guy Foundation, which focuses on empowering young people to reach their full potential. Good evening, Lawrence. How are you doing, mate? Good evening, all. Good evening, all. Thank yeah, you for good having me on. Uh, I think um, we always start, and I think I'm going to mix it up a little bit. We always start about oh, how things during COVID and everything else, but we're going to go right into it. So, met you quite a few years ago, and we 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 spent a bit of time in in Sweden, nineteen. Uh, and the the story of well, Jag just a guy. Do you want to what what is it, and 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 why is it so important to to, to young people and and definitely during these times? Do you think? Definitely, I think I'm actually just going to go back to why and how it started because I always feel that's really important. So um, it started off originally as a blog, um, just to document my recovery from a severe epileptic attack which I had to learn how to walk again. And I was in hospital for a couple of months. So it took me about six months to learn how to walk again. And I thought, actually, let me document that journey. And it started off as a blog called Just a Guy Trying to Make It, because that's how I felt, you know, everything was being taken away from me, everything I'd worked for, you know, having to leave education because of my condition as well. So, over the last couple of years, it's transformed into a uh, social enterprise that works with um, underserved communities um, and trying to empower young people. Because what happened was during the blogging bit of it is that schools approached me and said, Lawrence, would you come into our school and talk to our students about resilience, you know, and not giving up? And I was like, me? And I said, yeah, we've seen your blog. It makes um, sense. So went into schools and started doing that, but actually started to see there was a need for mentoring and engaging with young people and actually trying to help build their networks. Yeah, wow, what a a role model. I think it's all about, we talk about aspirations and and how how best to demonstrate somebody who's saying, right, it can be done. Um, What a powerful message, I think. And that resilience is so important and we, we talked about we 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 ran an event yesterday and we were lucky enough to to have you on the on the, on the panel lawrence why why do you think those skills that resilience it, it needs to be brought to the forefront more than it you know because especially during lockdown the people who are thriving the children are thriving are those who have been able to adapt and be resilient and and this whole thing of fear of fear fearing exams and all those kind of things tell us about that has, has it picked up are you seeing more of that or is it still a battle trying to get in and explain to schools the importance of it i think it's it is a battle i think it still will be a battle when um schools are fighting for time right so it's still going to be a battle but i think what has come to the forefront during covid is that actually the well-being of um individuals the the, the young people in their school I think also it's thrown out a few things to light, such as actually digital poverty, you know, just poverty as well in terms of access to resources, food and loads of things that have been thrown out. And I think that's what's now 
getting communities to think about actually what are we doing to empower our young people and i think the bit that i just want to clear up from the beginning is actually it wasn't just because of my epileptic attack but also when i was going into schools i was seeing young people that were like me when i was growing up and the only difference between me and some of the people that haven't quite how do i put this um done well in life in terms of the areas that we that we came from is i had access to a mentor i had access to someone who actually saw something in me that i hadn't seen yet that i didn't know was in me as well and helped nurture that i think that's really important isn't it that that role models and having people that you can look up to and learn from but also i suppose from a from an education point of view where we're really privileged, aren't we, all working in education because we have that opportunity to speak into young people's lives. I wonder, I wonder if you could kind of go into a little bit, um, a little bit of what that meant to have a mentor and what that, what, what you experienced there, and why then you're trying to to, to pay that forward. Oh, having having a mentor <laughs> helped massively um, because it took someone to say to me literally like who you see today and who you hear today is a completely different guy that that was growing up you know I, I grew up in Bermondsey and around that time it was really rough and um I actually went to a school that was I'm not gonna name it but ranked as one of the schools that if you make it out of there just make it out of there you, you you've done well but going back to the mentor he actually stopped and caught me and said a line to me or said a phrase to me should i say he goes you're angry aren't you he goes you're angry and upset and i was just like excuse me excuse you and he goes no you're angry and upset that, that that's why you're behaving like the way you are and in that moment in time i was a bit annoyed he had said that to me but actually walking away and then going back to him so I asked him, what do you mean? What What do you mean by that? Because it had touched the nerve. He, he had seen something, you know, that why I was acting out the way I was in school. And that's how it kind of sparked up that conversation. That was the first time I felt in education when I was a young guy that someone actually had seen me. They had seen me. I wasn't just another number in their class that they had seen and thought, actually, I'm going to stop this guy and just you know, say something that's going to be impactful to him potentially. So having him and speaking to him and actually listening, he, he listened a lot to me. And that allowed me again to feel heard. So the, the two things that I've said here, to be seen and to be felt and to be feel like I'm heard as well, helped kind of drive me into thinking, I don't have to go down the normal, the routes that the people are around me are, that are going down. You know, there are other ways, you know, there are other things I can do. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's key around for every individual um, around raising those aspirations of our young people uh, beyond um, the boundaries of, of what they see in their life. So what mum and dad do, what grandparents have done, what their their community and things like that. And, and, and talking about the fact that we're not expecting them all to be astronauts and and, and politicians and, and, and all that. We just want them to be the best individual they can be and, and, and follow their passion. 
And I think that's key, isn't it, Joe? That, that world changers can be nurses, can be can be doctors, they can be Joe, delivery people, they can be distributors. As it, it's finding a passion and, and doing something that you want to do, but doing it to the best of your ability rather than thinking that everybody has to go to university, otherwise they're a failure. And is that a problem that we're creating a society, especially in England? It's like, if you go, don't go there, you're seen as a lesser person, maybe? I, I, tell us your experience about that. It's so, it's so strange, isn't it? It really is. And I, I'm literally just nodding and going, absolutely, what you're saying there. Because, you know, typically it's, right, go to school, get your GCSEs, get your A-levels, you know, get your degree, and then get a job. And people feel it's that linear way. And that's how we're, we're you know, deemed as successful. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not, I'm not saying that's the way you need to go. I think it's, A, what you're passionate about, you know, and what drives you, what makes you, you know, get out of bed in the morning, you know, what's your purpose? That's what I want to empower young people with. And that's where it goes back to actually driving their own social mobility, them having the power, not what society dictates and says, this is what you need to do to be successful. But actually, you know, whatever you are doing and there's happiness in that and you feel like you're having an impact, that is success. That looks like success. Success is different to every single individual. It's not what society places on us um, with that. It's, yeah, it's, it's, sorry, Steve, go on. I was just going to say, when you talk about successes, um, let's talk about something that's really successful, that's linked into the mentoring program. Do you know, let's let's come up with an idea around the importance of mentoring and let's let's get Google to get involved in it. What a success that is. And, and tell us how that came about, where there's, there's aspirations in regards to a lot of people would say, I'd love to work at Google. And and now what we're doing is where we're, we're, you've created a program where Googlers, correct me if I'm wrong, are mentoring young people around the UK and supporting them um, to raise their aspirations. And yeah, it might not lead to a career, but it's it's a great start, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Um, so this program came about um, from actually the careers fair that I did last year, where. Um, someone from google reached out to me and said um we've seen that you're doing the careers fair it was a great event we would really like to work with the foundation and i'd like to put you in contact with um two young gentlemen at google as well and um we then had a conversation about it and it moved quite quickly and what was actually identified was um particularly with one community that i work with is that you have young black graduates who tend who go to uni get really great um degrees but it wasn't correlating to them actually getting jobs out of uni and it's something that i actually mentioned in a talk today where the disparity in terms of the gap pay between you know um an average um earning of 29 grand after five years of graduating compared to someone from a black or pakistani black background is 23 grand on average so we kind of saw actually there is an issue here but what can we do how do we solve this gap or how do we start to should i say and what we found was is access to networks so what we've done is we've got 30 googlers who are mentoring 30 young black students over a course of eight weeks and we're working on some of the soft skills 
that they may have missed out on in life and actually what will help them potentially flourish in the workplace because it's one thing of actually doing it in university but it's actually another thing of doing it in in the workplace and I even I take myself of it took me a year and I still probably don't understand it completely but to learn how to navigate the workplace you know in terms of culture as well because there's a saying that bring your whole self to work but can you actually bring your whole self to work can you actually really do that are you comfortable enough to do it and then the other saying of actually um there's a seat for you at a table and i keep on saying this is let's let's think 2.0 there's a seat for me at the table okay great but give me the utensils so i can eat at that table which essentially i'm saying is give me the skills as well you know to eat at that table don't just put me at that table and then i can't flourish so that's what that mentoring program is essentially doing is giving young people the different skills to actually, you know, push themselves forward. And also it's having someone in Google advocate for them because we have really senior people that are on this mentoring program. And what I do love about the mentoring program is the bit where mentors go. I've had my first meeting with my mentee and they're like, they're amazing. They're absolutely amazing. I wish I was doing stuff when I was that age. And then it makes me realize this is so important because people don't get to see this as well. They don't have access to it. So it works both ways. I, I love that what you said there about getting getting people to the table and then not having the utensils. And, and I suppose that's what I, I kind of a whole education system in the UK at the minute is driven towards getting people towards the table, get the right, get the right grades get to university, get the degree, and then, you can, then you'll be there. And it's what type of person or what type of student is getting there in the end? Like, mm-hmm. it's after they've gone through that system, um, and, and I think we know the answer to that, and it, it's not always, it's not always a, a healthy answer, I don't think. And, and the fact that maybe we should be focusing more on how they get there, and, and you're talking about there that, that mentoring program sounds phenomenal. And, and when you were talking about it, really reminded me of, of um, some of the initiatives as well. You've probably heard of the UTC schools where they, they work very closely with, with industry and they, they, they come in and mentor, mentor students. And I know School 21, we had Ollie DeBotton on the on the podcast a few months ago uh, talking about School 21 and how, how they uh, started on a similar venture. Do you think that I – mean, and? And and the work, the amazing work that you yourself are doing, Lawrence. It's it's kind of we're seeing it in little pockets around the place, almost like it's it someone's initiative and it, it starts up. But do you think that should be actually a part of the system? Do you think that should be something that schools actually in colleges fully commit to the fact that? And I know we've got the, we've got the Gatsby benchmarks, which mm. kind of hint towards this the, those meaningful employer experiences for each year groups, um, but how meaningful? does it does it get do you think we should actually have um um, the mentoring side of it actually should that be part of it in a a major way and and what what impact will that have on on a whole generation of students if if that is a, a proper meaningful part of everybody's education if i had it my way every single student would have a mentor there are enough people to do it for it to happen um and 
even going on to using your theme from yesterday about moving forward and what we've learned from that is that people are more comfortable doing this remotely right it, it, it's normally kind of a logistic nightmare to get 30 mentors into a school to find a room to get people off timetable lesson missing as well this takes place outside of school and that's why we've been able to reach loads of students again and it's not london focus centric we have students here in scotland who are on the program as well you know across the country so i think actually one of my missions someone asked me they said lawrence what's your mission in the next three five years and i said actually I did. I said at that moment in time, I said, I'm not really sure. That's a big question. But thinking about it today, I've been like, actually, how can I help ensure that most students or young people have access to mentors? Because I have a great network. I mean, you guys are part of my network. You know, I, I have a really good network. Is actually, how do I go to someone and go, right, do you want to join up to an eight-week program? You've got a whole curriculum there. You just actually need to turn up and bring yourself to the table, your whole self, and share that with the young person. So going back to your answer, definitely, I would love for all young people in secondary school to have a mentor. I think that's um, I think that's amazing, um, and that's a that's a, a really noble mission. But I also think it's um, it's a necessary one as well. Two ends, noble and necessary. I think that idea that you've got that you want to uh, empower young people. Um, you even you're even saying to the mentors, um, I'm going to give you a seat at the table and I'm going to give you the utensils to, 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 to deliver this mentoring. Yeah. Uh, but for the young people, then you're giving they're giving something of themselves. You know, um, we I know you were kindly involved in one of our roundtable events yesterday when we were looking at moving the FE sector forward and, and, and what that means to go forward. And we did the same thing with the independent schools um, a few weeks ago in in partnership with C-Learning and, and Google for Education. And one of the things that was mentioned in one of those roundtables was whether, I think it might have been Steve that said it actually, probably the best thing you've ever said, Steve, um, <laughs> where he was talking about um, every college should be judged, even if whether it's an Ofsted inspection or whatever else, every college should be judged on its ability to share what it's doing with others. Um, and if they're not supporting others, then then they can't be outstanding and whether that's something to think about. Now, I think that's a really nice element. I wonder if it's the same in terms of business, not necessarily about inspection, but if a business, we've talked about this, about like businesses, uh, what's it called? Um, oh, that, what's that phrase called where they've got to give something back to the community? Um, come on, somebody help me out. What's it called? Social responsibility? Yes, yeah, so that's it, corporate. Yeah, the social responsibility. And whether whether that's part of it that actually... Every if you're in an, if you're in a, a sector because I know that they do this with um, I am getting to somewhere it's going to make sense uh, when you work in when people are doing building projects and the big housing projects one of the things that they have to do is they have to give um, some kind of investment to local schools and to local um, organisations that are going to are going to be involved in that in that in that building because obviously these builders are going to uh, benefit financially from these housing projects so they've got to invest something back in. I wonder if we make it something like that that part of uh, businesses coming to join a community or people coming to work in there is that is not an expectation or a requirement but certainly something that's um, that's encouraged and maybe 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 that's something that we. How do we do that? How do we champion that, Lawrence? How can we make that happen, do you think? It's it's a really interesting question there because I've had loads of discussions over the past 
maybe four months with different organisations. And all organisations, particularly the big ones, have that there. But there is this disconnect of where do we go to actually get involved with these communities? Yeah. So they end up actually employing an agency who might not know anything about education or greatly, but it's just actually just doing the link and it's being farmed out. But actually they're not, as I like to say, maybe using a football term here, they're not getting to the grassroots of people that are in and around and have been working with um, educators and young people for years. Those are the people that they need to be speaking to because a lot of them are like, how do we get into schools? We really want to work with schools. I get that a lot of the time of how do we approach them? And then schools ask me, do you know any organizations that want to do some mentoring or you know, might want to sponsor a lab or something like that? So maybe there is some sort of platform that needs to be created of actually a school's looking for this, an organization's looking for that, and we marry them up together essentially, you know. Yeah, I yeah, like let, it. Let's uh let's lay claim to that, let's build it together. Uh that's uh, seriously it'll be good. I like in my my job, I'm not sure if you know Lawrence, but uh, like kind of half of my job at the moment is is a careers lead for a school. And and I, I resonate so much with, with what you just said. There are the businesses want to want to reach out. Schools are trying to figure out how to do it, but they're doing it on on um, on a shoestring, really. Not much time, uh, very little human resources behind it. Um, but there's there's a real hunger for it, and I think a lot of people are see, are, are see the value. It's just how how does it how does it fit in among the especially I mean, I'm currently working in the secondary school sector, just like the time constraints is just mm. is is crazy at the moment, absolutely crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think I think you're absolutely right. Bringing bringing those bringing industry and bringing schools together is is will be a good thing, and 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 it has to happen. It has to happen going forward. Um, and maybe the the what we're missing from there, um, in terms of another stakeholder in there, are parents, right? So yeah. maybe parents can jump on the platform and actually say, "My child needs this," and actually someone who's been vetted and verified can reach out from an organization it, it's something that actually maybe you know when you get new graduates in they have to give a certain percent of their time to actually the community as well at pwc and deloitte as well as well and a lot of people don't know that so maybe it's actually getting the parents involved to say actually after school or you know your child will be set up for this mentoring and we've set it up, but actually you take onus and responsibility. And that goes back to the point of actually driving their own social mobility as well. We're giving them the utensils and they take it and push forward with that. Yeah, that, that, it's so true, isn't it? Because a, a lot of parents will, and I know we, we, we do adults now go through a few, a few careers in their lifestyle, but uh, in their lifetime, sorry. But the, how, many, how much experience do you have when I think... I think if I had to write down all the names of careers that I could think of off the top of my head, I could probably get to about fifty, maybe, um, in, in a real push. But you, but there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of careers out there. And if and if me as a careers leader in my vocabulary, if I only have fifty careers in my head, I'm I my I'm not opening up the world of of work to my students properly, and I, and I guess. And that's me as a careers leader, and and our parents out there who want the best for their children, 
might even have a, a slightly more limited scope on that. Um, they 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 might know their their area of work, their industry really well. Maybe their 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 partners, their their families types of industry. They might know things about it. But actually, opening up um, the world of work to parents and and I know I know of a few schools who who do something similar where they every year they stick a lot of their parents on a coach and take them to a local university um because because that. some because the parents have never even never stepped foot on a university campus before they don't know what a university looks like they they might just have the stereotypical view of a student in their mind when they think of a university so actually getting them into a university to see what it's actually like what the people are like and and maybe we should do maybe we should do something similar with industry there like you said Absolutely, and I think just touching the point there is, particularly from the parent side, there is a lot to do with culture and status, right? Because yeah, um, I remember saying to my mum, I said to my mum at thirty, and that I'm leaving teaching. I'm gonna go and run my own business and do that. And she was like, "Oh no!" And she was <laughs> worried. She was petrified. Even me at thirty, she was petrified. And she's like, "Yeah, but you've got a good job as a teacher, you know, and your status, you know." And then she was kind of saying, my friends know you're a teacher. What am I going to tell them you do now? And I was like, well, you could say I'm an entrepreneur. No, but that's the, everyone's an entrepreneur. Like, what do you do? I said, well, if you really want to know, I design and code. And she's like, I don't want to know anymore. You know, and that's the bit of culture actually as well is someone might say to their parents that I actually want to go and do this. And they're like, what, 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 what is that? No, you're not doing that. You're, you're going to university and you're going to be a surgeon. Or you're going to be a lawyer. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those professions, but particularly from the culture that I'm from, is that's what my son's going to be. That's what my daughter's going to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's breaking down those walls, isn't it? Breaking down those barriers and mm. and, and allowing those stakeholders in that student's life to to be able to to see the horizon and be able to push them towards it and help them towards it. Um, so much potential there. So it's like so much potential and so much work that still needs to be done. Hmm. Um, it's probably a, a nice. We could probably segue nicely in, here into uh, your your big careers event that's coming up, um, which um, I th- I'm right in thinking it was it was first launched last year uh, during the the pandemic, the online careers fair. And I, I know I, I um, put a lot of my students onto it during the during the lockdown and it's, it's, it's coming up again do you want to just give tell us a bit about how it is and, and what your vision is for it definitely so as you said um last year we put it together within two weeks i say we and it was just myself and another guy that works with us ben um and it came together really quickly because as i mentioned earlier is work experience was a major thing for me Again, it allowed to see allowed me to see outside of my postcode. It allowed me to travel into um, at that time um, Houston and get my first suit and stuff like that. And it made me think, oh, maybe I belong here as well because there's always that sense of belonging. And then when I realised actually, for loads of students across the country, work experience is going to be cancelled and they're not going to be able to expand their network. I thought, what could we do? So we got a range of speakers on um, to talk about their careers. We had people from um, the fire brigade, uh, the NHS. We had people from the theatres. There was just so many people on a really diverse um, lineup, and it was well attended. 
and I mean the feedback we got from students were was amazing in terms of just thank you for putting this on you've actually changed the way that I look at careers because I was going to do this but I heard this other speaker and now I'm really interested in that one student actually started up their own nail business because we had a nail technician who runs her own company and that young girl after that started her own Instagram and everything and has got a little business going now and it, that's like the joy thing that I see from those things that's really impactful for me on that bit and this year um, obviously students are still affected by um, not being able to go on work experience we decided to do it again and we decided to try and go bigger and better this year so it's still three days over um, the course of three days should I say from the 5th to 7th of July but this time we've got workshops and digital skills so you can come and learn how to create a CV and that's what we found out last year that a lot of PE students don't really know how to create a CV or certain things when we're talking about references they're like what what is that so we've got the Google digital garage delivering that and we've also got a Google executive recruiter who's going to be going through CVs in live sessions so we're going to get CV sent in from the audience and they will be giving feedback on that as well we've also got apprenticeship and university talks as well so how to get into apprenticeships and from the university point of view is the big question why go to uni and if you're going to go to uni how to write a personal statement and the one that I wish I had when I was in uni was student finance how to manage your finance while you're in uni as well and that goes back to my point about social mobility and thinking about there that there's going to be some people that go to university that don't probably have a lot of funds but it's still accessible to you and there is a lot of support there as well and on top of that we've got our speakers across the days as well I love the fact that you you've you're going down the, that route of workshop the workshops as well. I was yeah I was looking over the schedule. Uh, I think last week actually and I noticed that. I noticed like on, on is it the day two and day three you do more of those workshops and the and the digital skills. Is it going to be something that students can dip in and out of, or or do you, do you kind of say take in the whole experience? How how do you want uh, students to engage with it? I think that's where it comes to being inclusive, right? So with the careers fair we're not really like obviously you want loads of people to come live to it but actually it's going to be that it's a resource that can be used for overtime you know so you can dip in and dip out but what i really encourage students to do is actually come with an open mind you know come and listen to people's journeys um, on there because what we definitely want to draw out from our speakers and how we brief them as well is that actually how did you get to where you've got to in life and what were the failures along the way we want to showcase the failures because far too often i think particularly with some bits on social media and just general um news and everything is we see the final version but what's not shown sometimes is the hard work the dedication and the setbacks that people have had to go through to get to that and actually a lot of students will resonate with that and go, yeah, I'm not doing too bad, am I? I'm on the right course. And if I get knocked back down, I want to get back up because that person's done it and they're still doing really well in life or whatever. So that's what we really want to draw out with this, our speakers. And we're all about when you come to our careers fair, bring all of you to the careers fair, not just the glossy and shiny bits. Uh, that is that is absolutely... It, 
I, if you could see my face now or my head, I'd be. It's nodding like one of those nodding dogs in in the front of a car. I think what what I'm hearing you saying there is about it's that it's that picture that a lot of people see on on social media about success. Often people think it's a straight line um, that's diagonally going up in in up to the right, but actually it's a squiggle getting there. He's he's a journey, um, and and we've all we're all in positions now where. If we go back, we probably wish that we'd have done things differently. We don't have regrets because, obviously, um, we listened to uh, Dappy when we were younger growing up and we have no regrets. But um, uh, but what I mean is, is is more that we, even though we haven't uh, had a success in everything, where we are now is that journey towards that, isn't it? And I, I love that. I love how you, you talked about there, um, having been a teacher for a number of years, decided to pivot and do something else. I know that you were on the Innovator Academy with Steve, as he mentioned earlier, um, and that conversation around um, pivoting and fail bells is, is kind of integral to that, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I own fail bells. I own them. Like, literally, it's left, right, and centre. And you know what? I think with a lot of some of the failings, if I didn't make those mistakes or failings or whatever, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today literally and it goes back to actually in terms of pivoting people go Lawrence you don't really talk about your web design business you don't really and I should do a lot more but that's great for me I do enjoy that but for me what is what makes me feel like I'm a success is actually seeing an email from someone I've mentored or someone who's been in one of the programs saying thank you you know for giving me this opportunity i'm now doing this that is what success looks for to me there's, there's, there's nothing there's no money in the world that can beat that feeling when you know you've had some sort of impact on a young person's life and and that's what i was missing when i left teaching so pivot into actually doing the foundation and working with young people yeah it, it's just yeah as you as you can hear i'm just getting like yeah really fuzzy in that and yeah that, that's what i'm about literally and and you know this is we we in our time knowing you lawrence and watching all the great stuff you're doing across the sector it's it's absolutely clear that this is is part of who you are this is not just something you do um some of your if, if people aren't following lawrence on on socials definitely get on there um, and follow him on Twitter, LinkedIn. There's loads and loads of great stuff that he's doing, but there's that real raw honesty as well. And that's what we we value and really, um, we're really grateful for as Educufuturists because I know you've supported a lot of the stuff we've done, but but more than that, it's that raw honesty and authenticity. And I think that's what's, what's really powerful about you. And I know something that you're really passionate about that, that you're authentically passionate about is social mobility. I know you've kind of touched on that and about justice. And I, and I know that that is kind of driving the work that you're doing as well, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I think a key thing, just going to that social mobility, and I think this actually goes into my segue about inclusion and diversity. I, I'm very keen on this, is that people have let me through the door. And once you let me through the door, I'm opening that door open for other people to come through that door. It's not just about me sitting at that table. It's about actually having a table that looks completely different to me too as well on that, at that table. And uh, having diverse voices. So some of the stuff that I have been doing to kind of champion that as well is actually 
setting up communities within the edtech community so diverse communities to amplify voices that are brilliant that there's some phenomenal people that are doing stuff in fe colleges secondary schools but actually their voices are not being amplified and i think just working with these group of diverse educators so when i say diverse educators this particular group that i'm working with is black and asian um educators that for some reason might not have done a google certification or they might have done a level one but have never gone through to doing a google trainer but absolutely if you absolutely actually if you went into their classroom the stuff that they are doing is mind-blowing so i'm just thinking how do we get those guys to enrich our community you know how do we get those females to enrich our community as well and that's where we set up this program to actually work for concentrated group to actually support and we go back to that phrase we were using mentor them to go through this journey so they actually can go in and actually bring skills or cultures or different mindsets to the table that we haven't even thought about yeah and i think it's it's really important i've have i've had colleagues that have have been involved in it um I've, I've got friends who were um who were involved in it and i think it's really interesting and and it just tackles that question and it supports that that that, that question and it raises that question and it pushes the boundaries of that question of why why is it that there's so many people of varying backgrounds and there's such a diverse focus of educators and and the demographic of students that are not coming through and they're not getting the, the, the limelight in regards to ed tech and many different things. You know, you mentioned, um, I think earlier around, uh, or it might've been a different event, sorry, that we've, we've, we've around the, you know, the black um, FE leadership group and their event that they've put on, which I'm um, an ally for definitely because I, I can't necessarily show empathy for it. And, I, but I want to be shown to be showing that I want to celebrate and raise those people up because they, they're key. How do we how do we raise and, and get more people into the ed tech sector or leadership roles or anything teachers if we're not if we don't have the demographic representing the students that are coming through and the people coming through how do we do that and we only do that by these programs that you're putting on and I think it's testament to you and testament to Google that's supporting you through the process because without it it's a start in it unless we start when it's never going to change never no, look. And, and that's, that's the key thing there, Steve. And I think you asked the question of how do we do it with these programs? It's not just these programs. It's conversations like this that we're having today. It's difficult conversations that we're having that actually, you know, it's a bit tough to have that conversation. Just because it's tough doesn't mean we don't have it. We, we have to front it off. We, we, like we say that saying to our kids, um, to our young people, is that, you know, nothing ever grows in, you know, the comfort zone. So we need to actually go outside that comfort zone and have that conversation. And equally, that I'm not saying that on the whole oracle of diversity and inclusion, I can only tell you my experience as a black man. I can't tell you an experience of a Asian female. And I think that's very important to understand. It, it's about making sure all voices are heard and i have this running joke with um um a friend of mine in terms of actually i've got a double whammy of actually 
being a black man trying to navigate certain things, but also having an unseen disability as well. And sometimes that causes a lot of barriers with my unseen disability, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's it's about surrounding yourself positively and consciously surrounding yourself and, and putting yourself into spaces that are diverse and, and, and thinking, actually, do you know, I don't have an understanding of it yet, but I will. And sometimes you might trip yourself up and sometimes... Not, you're not going to say something that's inappropriate, but you might think, right, well, I don't know it, but I'm just going to, now I've got a relationship with that person, I'm going to ask them honestly, how do I improve? And how do I how do I gain more of an understanding so I can n- never never be in that position? Because I'm not, I'm a, I'm a white man, personally, to the way I am, but at least I have an understanding of what people are going through and their situation, and, and, and I can be considerate of it, and I can be conscious of it every time I... Put, we put an event on at Edge of Futurist. We create something in my new role. How do we ensure that, as you keep saying, that we we put you get you a seat, get get people a seat at the table, but also give them the utensils, utensils and the skills to do so? And I think it's key. Um, it, it, people just need to get used to those uncomfortable conversations, surely. But I don't see it. Do you know, I'm come from colleges, and there isn't many leaders. Do you know? There isn't many leaders, and, and and why is that? Is it because it's a circle of trust? What what is it that's stopping it? I, I don't know. It, 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 there's a number of things. <laughs> I don't think we're going to be able to tackle all of them on this one, but maybe there's a part two in this. But I think it is something I said earlier is about pathways of actually, is there a pathway for me? Do I feel like I belong? There's far too many times where I've walked into a room and you know i felt like i don't belong and i think if we even look at the term imposter syndrome sometimes that is amplified even more just because i am a black man as well of you know i'm in this position and should i be in this position have i do i deserve it you know has it been given to me because of my skin tone or actually has it been given to me because of my talent and you second guess that sometimes and that's something that you know you have to battle and going back to your point steve i think you hit something on the on the head there by saying actually it's about a process of listening that that that's so key it's about listening and it's okay not to respond i think sometimes we go to respond before we've actually listened and that's what i've learned in terms of learning about other cultures because i have to do this this isn't just you know something for a a white man or white female to do but it's also something for a black or black man or black female to do is to actually listen about other cultures and understanding that as well yeah i think i um yeah i think it's okay um i i am a chair of governors at a primary school and we've been talking about um diversity as a governing body but we've been talking about diversity of the school and it's it's it's, re- it's very different depending on the demographic isn't it of the population of where you sit in the city the the, the, the section of the city and as um it's a really diversity is, is, is leads but i think um people is that oh, diversity so it must mean um black and it must mean asian and and mm. they, they then talk about that term asian but it's like okay uh, what what about disability what about age in terms of diversity what about um different cultures and, and different understanding what about your lgbt and all of those different things and and i think people are just like oh well it must mean one thing and it's diversity between black and white and I, i'm just like no you need to really have an 
not an understanding, but you need to just think wider than that. And it's just not, it's, it, we need to look past that conversation now, I think. Um, otherwise, we're always going to be t- trying to tackle the same thing. Absolutely. And I was just literally doing a bend there and just nodding like Churchill in the car and just going, mm-hmm, yes, absolutely everything you just said there, Steve. I completely 100% agree with that. So as we as we move forward and we get we get into uh, the next steps and where we're going to be going and um, we're obviously passionate about the future of education that's why we do what we do um, I, I wonder if there is um, I know you've talked about the hope for young people having a mentor uh, and by the way I love how you corrected yourself as well and I don't know if it was conscious or unconscious about using the word kids and then using the phrase young people. Um, do you know, I we had a chair of governors once, uh, a school that I was involved with, who literally would shout at you if you called young people kids, because it's how uh, patronise, they're not baby goats, is what she used to say, actually. Uh, I, I loved it. But but I think it's that whole principle around treating them with respect as well. But you've talked about mentors and about developing them and especially um, making sure that everybody feels included and that they've got a seat. I wonder if you've got any kind of, other passions and visions for what education of the future might look like um, and, and and where you see that going? Um, what I'm very passionate about, and yes, I did correct myself on um, kids. Um, yes, it, it does annoy me when I hear it as well. And even just to add that quickly, just before we just go into that question is, it's one of the most patronising things to say to a young person is when you get into the real world. What world are they experiencing right now? That's what I want to know. Someone tell me what world they're in, if they're not in the real world. Um, yeah, I love go- that. I love that. <laughs> but going on to your point of what, um, education and the future is, I want to really see a real emphasis move back to because there, I, f- I believe there was a time and then it disappeared of actually digital basic skills of every student leaving education with digital skills because this is something that I just feel like what the pandemic brought out is we assume that young people know how to send an email how to put um add an attachment but what we found was at the beginning of it is that they really don't they really don't and I think if we can embed those skills not just for subjects, but across everything that they do and show how that works with the working world. I think we're starting to win and we're starting to move in a different direction and also changing the mindsets of actually um, some educators that when they hear digital literacy, digital skills, is it's not just for the IT teacher down the block or down the other side of the building, go and ask Mr. Tajani. It's actually, we all invest in that as well, because I think that by opening those digital skills and the young people being able to potentially go back and teach their parents, we then drive social mobility and we uplift each other with that as well. Here, here, Lawrence. Uh, yeah, it's, it's key. It's key, isn't it? You know, all of those different aspects and the skills, and we, we, we've talked about the, the, the calling them power and shifting that to thinking it's a lesser focus um it's been great to talk to you i think uh we've we've we've, we've say we, we could maybe do a part two a part three Let, let's try and do a 10 part series and let's let, let's try and get harry potter on the go you know, let, we'll, let, let's give that a run for its money but uh, yeah it's been it's been absolutely fantastic um it's been great 
getting to know you, but also sharing your story. Um, but if, if people are interested or interested in terms of sending their, their, their young people or a young person is listening, think, how do I attend this? How, how do they find out? Where do they go to for, for, your, for your careers event? How, how do they get involved? So if you go on to justaguy.co.uk forward slash careers fair, you will find the sign up there. And even if you're a school leaver, you can sign up individually. If you're a school, you can sign up your whole school to it. And even if you can't do a drop down on the timetable, the, the videos will be there on replay. So it's resources that you can use over the year, um, over the next year as well. Um, you can also go onto my social media. All the links are there as well. Is just a guy, just a guy underscore LT. And that's across all social media as well. And that will link you to the website. But please do come along, do get involved. And um, it's going to be a fantastic three days of learning, different workshops, and hopefully networking as well. And young people will be able to extend their network as well. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds brilliant, Lawrence. Thank you. Thanks for joining yeah, us again. Thank you. Thank you for having me.